hey, hey, hey. <laughs> How's everybody doing? I don't know why I felt I had to do that. You just felt you had to do that. I Did you like ever watch that to. cartoon? No. I think it was Fat Albert or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's Fat Albert. I've never, never, watched never a seen a second one. of it. It's just one of those hey, hey, hey things. It's just part it's of the zeitgeist. The zeitgeist, the cultural milieu. Milieu. It's just everywhere. And even though you've never seen an episode, you're like, everyone knows what I mean when I do this. Yeah, exactly. It's or a weird thing. Maybe our generation or... I don't think the newer generation has any idea. No, not really. No, they'd have no idea. Well, you could say biker mice from Mars, and they're like, <coughs> what is that? Wasn't there a shark one, too? Oh, yeah. What was that? Was it street street sharks? Street sharks? <laughs> I remember they had they had put some pretty freaking sick action figures. Oh, yeah, but here's the thing. Captain Planet, street sharks, and biker mice from Mars, all environmentally pushing uh, masculine, like masculine dudes pushing environmentalism. <laughs> Back, back when environmentalism had some balls to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. Did you watch Power, uh, Captain Planet? Oh, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, and now, did it work as propaganda? No, <laughs> no, no it certainly did not. <laughs> it, it's a joke, and it's hilarious, but awesome. <laughs> but we care about the environment, but not enough to actually do something. I do. I've seen some horrible videos. Somebody's like, oh, Angry Earth thing and it showed people literally dumping garbage bins of stuff into the ocean and I'm like mm-hmm. that's that's horrible that's real like that makes me like don't no don't do that that's bad yeah I, I feel like you don't have to be a you don't have to have to be like fully indoctrinated into the to the environmental yeah, the environmental in to... religion in order for you to look something and be like, you know what, that's a really shitty thing to do. I think we probably should not do I, that. I think there's a there's better way. There's gotta be a better way. Like, you could just be generally in some way intelligent and, yeah. some, and, and, and get to the same yeah. <laughs> same point. And it, it's ugly, too. It's like yeah. you're watching it and you're like, <clears throat> I feel wrong about this and I can't do anything except for this and say that, that that's wrong. Yeah, shouldn't do that. <laughs> So everyone knows where we stand on the environment. Fuck it. No, I mean. (laughs) I did have a JW show up to my house way back in the day, and uh, he had this whole the world's getting worse spiel. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's great. And he's like, what? And uh, I'm like, yeah, the Bible's very clear. It says that the world will still be here when Jesus gets back. So if we fuck it up, just really go whole hog on this thing, it forces him to come back sooner. Oh, wow. <laughs> what did he say in regards he, to that? He had no idea what to say. He's like, <laughs> I, uh, oh, <laughs> it was great. I enjoy those. I'm an asshole. <laughs> like, talk about seeing your opening and taking a shot. <laughs> like, holy shit. Like, that's yep. playing on your toes right there. <laughs> I, I love having those JWs come <clears throat> over. And I know that they're getting their little, um, their points in. Yeah. Because they, they actually keep strong recordings on how much they reach out to people. And so if you reach out to somebody and you have a conversation, you record how long your conversation is and you had to send that into headquarters. And, yeah, I, I find that very interesting. I'm like, I'm upping your points and I get to make fun of you while I do it. It's it's fine. We're good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just mutually beneficial. Yeah. Interesting. It's incentivized. There's, it's, it's Cross a, religions. It's a victimless crime to sit there and fuck with them. Yeah. 
as long as you want to. As You're doing them a favor, and you get to fuck with them. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. You didn't know that? No. <laughs> no, this this changes everything. It changes everything. They get, like they get to the up their scorecard, <laughs> possibly you know up their ranks and their. Uh, what do they call it? What do they call their churches? Their temple? Temple, yeah. Yeah. They get to up their numbers and be like, hey, look, I'm uh, StarCraft number four now. I don't know what they... <laughs> Let's just throw all the weird religions into one pot. <laughs> just Scientology, all of them, just throw yeah. them all into one. The temple of, the temple of Scientology of Latter-day <laughs> Mormons. <laughs> So I realize I realize I don't. I feel like we haven't recorded in a while. I know it's only been a week, but it felt like a long week. Like we could have recorded in this last week, and I'm like, because oh. we have a couple in the back burner, mm-hmm. which sets in place. Like, oh, we don't have to. We don't have to push a recording right now. No, we still do every week though. We do, but I'm like, oh, I still want to record more. <laughs> it's really bad, but good. It's like I, I like doing this. Oh, I mean, I mean, I feel like I've been doing more than my usual because I've been over at mm-hmm. Dusty's place trying to work at work at conceptualizing and writing uh, theme music and, and stuff for my podcast. So, like, there's, you know, it's it's never enough time with the family involved. <laughs> so, you know, did you, we tap into that a little bit last little hour time? Here and a little hour there. Did we tap into that conversation a little bit last time with the metal one? Uh, no, we didn't actually. So you're working on your your music, your intro music, because that's something we actually. I care about intro music. I want music mm-hmm. that's like even the intro that we have. Yeah, I love it. It's so good. It's it's original. It's cool. It sounds like you know now when I hear that, I know what's coming up next. It's yeah, a yeah. hey hey hey, what's going on? Oh, it's BCP time. Yeah. So I uh, there's a certain point of pride <laughs> when it comes to having good music and now you're working on your intro music for your podcast yeah. that you're hoping to release next couple months mm-hmm. and hopefully we're going to record an episode of it right after this yes so we're just creating content for it and yeah you've been working on and then but you heard it and you and him are like ins- you and him I'm hoping are inspired because there's something you're like okay I know this is just for an intro but yeah. I want to turn this into something well, it started off as, hey, do you want to do my, my intro music? And he's like, yeah, sure, that sounds like a fun challenge that I haven't done before. And then, you know, like, <laughs> a whole number of weeks went by, and then both of us hadn't really done anything. <laughs> it was like we just, like, you know, hit a mode of of work and stress and <clears throat> didn't have, re- didn't have uh, room, <laughs> you know, yeah. in our bandwidth. Didn't have bandwidth, really, to do anything creative. Yeah. Uh, and then he's like, okay, well... Do you have like we need something to like jumpstart my creati- creativity here? Like, do you have like a a phrase or something? Like, give me something more than just intro music that that you want it to be. Yeah. So I gave him a couple a couple notes, a couple pointers, you know, and like I was thinking like trying to make it sound like ancient and esoteric. Yeah. And he was like, "Ooh, that sounds fun," but just didn't really spark anything. Yeah. And so we went to get, we actually got, got together and started fiddling around with things and then stumbled on something that sounded cool and that sent us on a whole different direction, which turned us into basically trying to write a small song. Yeah. <laughs> only, only a little bit of it will be for the, but you're, for you the are going to release the whole song eventually. Oh man. I hope, I hope we can write a whole song. Just write a whole song. I and think. Be like, hey. I think the riff, the riff, and the groove that he came up with is 
good enough to use as the backbone for a stoner doom metal song. <laughs> <coughs> I'm actually, I, I have heard none of any of it, yeah. so I'm actually we'll, really uh, excited to... We'll, we'll put it on here after. Ooh, you got to hear then. Yeah. Nice. No, 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 they, they're not going to hear here. Oh, no, 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 that's what I mean. No, no, I understand. You're gonna, you yeah. have it here. Yeah, I have it here. I have it on my phone. Ooh, ooh, ooh. All right, so I'll get to hear it. And you yeah, guys because I read. need to practice my vocal lines because I'm a pretty shit singer. <laughs> so I need to practice <laughs> my vocal lines so that we can get some salvageable takes of the lyric that we want to be in the intro. Do you need to take a microphone with you? Like he has a microphone? Or? Oh, he's got all the recordings really? set up. Really? Oh, yeah. I've no, I haven't seen a setup, so it's like... I have no idea. I just yeah, know that he has a... It just, he's never recorded vocals, so we're experimenting with how to get the... how to correctly capture that sound. And he's actually pretty flipping good at putting things together and producing and actually, like, splicing everything together. It's, yeah. I'm very happy with, with his talent. Yeah, and he, he's been on this podcast a couple times, and I've heard people come to me and be like, hey, man, quality-wise for your podcast, for what it is... You guys are really good. Yeah. Like, we don't sound like shit. We're not, we don't sound like we're in an echoey room because I would listen to podcasts and I'll turn them off. Mm -hmm. I will turn off a podcast if it sounds like shit. You might have great content, but if you sound horrible, it's really hard for me to take it seriously. Yeah. But it's different. It's, it's so different than like my experience with him trying to track vocals for singing is com uh, compared to this. It's like night and day different. It's oh, really? It's a whole different deal. It's like here we want everything just to be calm clear bassy yeah your your voice you're not trying to compete with you're not trying to compete with a whole metal track <laughs> you know for presence and make it sound more than just like some some half cut guy at a at a bar you know yeah, like doing karaoke. warbling during karaoke right like you want to produce it and give it like a certain amount of effects find the right place it's supposed to sit in the mix yeah and all that is proving to be a bitch, <laughs> to put it lightly. So you, you've gained a whole new respect for the uh, the recording industry? Yeah. Like, even just, like, how many takes he's doing on the guitar or on the bass to, to get the groove and the right, you know, just the right performance to get it in. It's, like, so many takes. Like, he's putting... He's put more hours into this podcast than I have by a factor of a hundred at this point. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's, oh. Right now it's more his than mine. That's awesome. I love Dusty. He's good. He's good shit. I can't wait to release that episode. I think by the time this is out, yeah. that'll be out, but yeah. So, um, that here's something you're working on and I'm excited. Uh, I've come up with a name <laughs> that's for mine. I said, I still want to do other things. Isn't this weird that, like, at this point we've been doing this for a year and, like, we don't want to stop doing this, but we're increasing our scope. Yeah. I'm <laughs> it's like, crazy. We're like, hey, no, I don't just... But then I realized I got to get some new intro music for my other one, too. I'm like, yeah. shit, I just want motorcycle sounds. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, w I want motorcycle sounds. And then... That's awesome. I... I, I <laughs> You should just bring a microphone out to your bike. I thought about it. I really <clears throat> did. Like, let it warm up, get it all going, and then I'll then go out there when it's quiet and turn it on. No, we need to find Joey uh, with Ooh, Blackie, Blackie and get the sound of it. Yeah, that thing is barely starting. Yeah. 
I love that bike. Joey, Joey's a really good friend of ours, uh, brother. And Bunny. Bunny. Uh, he's got a Harley, and we call it Blackie, and it is... <sighs> it is the prettiest bike I know. It is ugly, pretty, awesome. <clears throat> like, it's it's got every... It's so much character. Yeah. And it just feels like it's going to fall apart underneath you. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an... It's not a, it's not a shovel head. It's, it's it, But it's an older Evo, one that's been jacked with and punched up and messed with before he ever got it. Yeah, he and got it it's, jacked it's with. A, yeah, it's a fat boy that's been like lowered to the ground, so there's like no cornering clearance. Yeah, ape hangers. The ape hangers are ridiculously tall. The feet are forward. There's no there's no support in the seat at all. Like you're nope. holding onto the bike to keep your ass from sliding off of yep. it. Yep. And it's a real pain in the ass to drive, and I love it. I love every second of being on it i yeah. ever had <laughs> it's underpowered and there's so much noise for how slow you go but yeah. it's awesome i i want one i <laughs> i want i want a really pretty loud shitty bike <laughs> so bad <laughs> high performance motorcycles are overrated well the thing with high performance motorcycles is you can't they're more bike than 99 percent of the riders that are on them can use oh yeah and as soon as you try to use that performance, you get in trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, there's something to be said for it. It's more fun to go fast on a slow bike than it is to go slow on a fast bike. Yeah. I have a brother, um, <clears throat> and he got, I'm not going to name drop cause I don't do that, but he got a very powerful bike and in the straight stretch, he could tear off on me. He could, he could just pull away. No problem in the straight stretch. But with every straight touch, there's a corner. And whenever it came to the corner, he had to slow right down because he could not perform the same way that I could on my bike. And I would ca- I would pass him. I'd catch up to him. I would pass him, and I would kill him in the corners. But then the straight stretch would, straight stretch would come. Yeah. And it doesn't take a whole lot of talent to twist the wrist. It's hard to say. Yeah. Now, that being said, like taking corners like that on a crotch rocket or like oh, a yeah. super moto yeah. or something is a whole different thing. And yeah. in that case, it's very, very fun to go fast on a fast bike. Because mm-hmm. when it can handle taking corners that hard, that fast and yep. and do it, and you, it, that's an addictive feeling yeah. if you have the confidence to do it, knowing if you mess up, you're going to die. Yes. Yeah. But that's the there's, thing. And there's I, so I don't many, have that confidence There's yet. so many variable factors on a road that make that a very risky super risky super risky thing to do so sometimes it's balls sometimes it's you know <clears throat> wisdom <laughs> you know and and when you're the father of of you know a many whole, children a whole gaggle of children like at, at some point too you need to be thinking bigger picture than i can make that corner <laughs> i can make that corner and i've seen people not make corners and it sucks I've been watching some of these crotch rocket videos from the uh, uh, Isle of Man stuff. And oh these guys, my God. When they go down, holy shit. Like yeah. in the air, flying for 100 yards. In all like, honesty, though, that's a race I would love to go to. I'd love to watch it. I, w- I really want to so bad. Like 100%, like that's a bucket list thing to go witness. And you know what the great thing is? During the week of the TT, they take that whole road around the aisle of man and close it off to trucks and cars and leave it open for everyday bikers really to ride i feel like i would get in the way i'm I, i'm my skill <coughs> level where is that i would just get in the way i would never be able to ride it 
I would love to ride it. No, I mean, you would be fine. Like, not everybody uses it as a racetrack. They yeah. just go there in order to twist a wrist, have some fun, see some sights without traffic. That'd be great. Oh, that's a bucket you know. list, man. <laughs> so it's right up, For me, it's right up there with Daytona weekend and, you know, those, those really big bike rallies that eventually I would love to go to one. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I'd ever want to do it again. I'd be, I'd be looking at motorcycles the whole time. I, I don't know. Like, some of them seem like they'd be a pretty fun time. Like, there's some big concerts and shit that happen at, like, Sturgis. Sturgis, and, that's the other one. And Daytona and all those, plus bike shows, plus, like, big, you know, cool things that uh, that motorcycle companies drop on those weekends or, yeah. or various rides you get to go to. I think Daytona might be the lamest of them because you're just in Daytona. Like, yeah. <laughs> if you don't like partying on the strip, then what are you going to do? Yeah. Hey, Sturgis, you've got the Black Hills to ride. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's the one that I was thinking of. I was like, oh, there's other ones, but I I'm horrible with names because yeah. I'm horrible with names, and that's okay. <laughs> but, yeah, I've got a few bucket list things, including that road in Oregon that I showed you there. It looks like it's on-road, off-road kind of thing. There's that mountain oh, pass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Some of the roads that we have, and they're less than 24 hours away from here. Like I'd take any one of my bikes on that road. Yeah. I'd do it. I'd do it. Uh, Mostly because I don't care about my bikes. <laughs> like, I, I, I think it, I'd worry that it would be too slow. I really do want to get a Sportster or a Dyna and just put some dirt nubbies on it and just have some fun. Just something that you can take on-road, off-road, and, and like really explore terrain and not worry about the bike itself. That's why a Sporty 1200 might be just the perfect motorcycle yeah. to do that kind of crazy, stupid stuff, and it's a 1200. It's fine. <laughs> it's it's good. It's got enough power. Well, simultaneously, you don't need tons. It's a good power to weight ratio. It's a good motor. So, yeah, yeah. so many bucket lists. <laughs> so many things I haven't done. Well, let's trans transition into some stuff that you have done. Ah, yes. Now, we have multiple times interviewed Devin. Well, we've at least we've done it one time officially, but officially. sometimes it turns that way. Yeah. You know, about my faith journey or deconstruction or coming back to faith, those kind of things. Yeah. Um, but we've never really delved into where you came from and how that translates into where you're at now with your faith and practice. Yeah. Um, the thing <clears throat> is, it, it is one of those things of I have such a, I want to call it a long story because I didn't grow up in one town like most mm-hmm. people. So... I have so many stories of things that I've done, stupid shit, fun shit, just so many things that unless something reminds me of an occasion, I almost see no reason to bring bring it up. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm quite sure you understand. Oh, I, mean, I think that's just life in general. Yeah. Like unless something's fresh in your mind, like this is like a this is a phase that I'm going through, you know, and here's some things I can remember that pertain to it but just to be like hey let's talk about your childhood like i'd be like what the hell is there to tell (laughs) i don't i don't know what what do you mean by that that's too (laughs) big that's that's so many years and so yeah uh, it's like we don't we don't have like a record of it like pippy longstocking yeah and one of my biggest problems is that i have so many stupid stories that whenever somebody says a story that kind of reminds me of them, I'm like, oh, I have something that relates to that, but I don't want to sound like I'm one-upping. I yeah, want you don't want to be that. <laughs> I want to accent your story <laughs> with my story. Yours is probably better. There was probably really cool things happening, 
But here's what happened in mine, and that it brings forth more conversation. I yeah. really enjoy that stuff. Well, let's maybe to frame the conversation a little bit here, let's start with the remark you made that brought it up. Mm-hmm. Like we were talking about uh, activity in church and, you know, somebody close to you basically questioning you being like, hey, what's the deal? You don't come to prayer meetings. You don't come to prayer summits or worship nights. Like, what is the deal? Yeah. And, you know, you you said that kind of nonchalantly, and then that piqued my interest. I'm like, what is the deal? (laughs) Well, I could just turn it around, but that's not the goal today. (laughs) I'm not going to be like, I don't know, why don't you go to church, Devin? (laughs) We've already been over that. I know. I know. And it's lazy. (laughs) Everybody knows. Instead of of actually answering the question, I can always deflect, but I'm not going Mm -hmm. to this time. Um... All right, so I'm going to talk a little bit about my background then. Okay. We, got, we can't just jump into yeah, why yeah. I just I, I just want to I just wanted to give people an idea of what even got us on this topic, and you know why you're going to start reminiscing about the past. Yeah, and the thing is, I'm not going to go into detail in every single place because I don't remember most of them. But yes, because kids are dumb and they don't remember. Oh yeah, things. you don't remember things, and you, even if you do remember them, you're not remembering them correctly. You're not remembering what actually happened. You're remembering what you think happened. Oh, like Peter Griffin with like the with the, the prostate, prostate exam. exam. Yes. It's like, are you sure it was a routine medical checkup? Are, are you, you sure, sure it wasn't, wasn't black all and white? Black and white and scary. <laughs> guilty, guilty, guilty. Exactly. Uh, all right. So if I ask you a question, really quick, where'd you grow up? I grew up here in Fort St. John, British Columbia. Yes. Do you know my answer to that question? Everywhere? Everywhere. (laughs) Nowhere? Everywhere and nowhere simultaneously. I don't have a hometown. I don't get to say, oh, I grew up here. I don't have that that base of understanding where people can judge me according to, okay, you're from this area, so you bring forth these characteristics with you. Your hometown is where you've lived your adult life, essentially, at this yeah. point, right? I've lived in Fort St. John longer than I've lived <clears throat> anywhere else in my entire life. I've been here since 2006, so 16 years I've yeah. lived in Fort St. John. That's I mean, the that, longest. That is I've... a long time to live someplace. Oh, yeah. But considering, like, you had no place for t- to formatively grow up and form yourself is interesting. Yeah. Because that, that's just so opposite of, of, of my, you know, experience. Yeah. So I was born in Ontario, Dryden, Ontario, tiny little town. It's got one guy who used to play for St. Louis Blues. <laughs> That's his claim to fame. <laughs> it's like we had a guy play in the NHL, which All is right. a lot of towns in, in Canada where there's nothing really going on there except for one player made it out. <coughs> and uh, from there, went to Saskatchewan, a small, tiny little town, really kind of a shithole. I mean, okay, yeah, yeah, sorry. I thought you said Saskatoon. No, nope, Saskatchewan. Like, That's not a tiny little town. <laughs> no, no, no. We never lived in Saskatoon. That was the oddest thing. Uh, lived in a tiny little town in Saskatchewan, northern. Uh, it's called Nippawan. Okay. Tiny little shithole. It's fine. It's. I've been there. I have no desire to ever go back. There's like, <laughs> I have a cousin there, a couple cousins. That's about it. Uh, we lived there for a couple years, and then we moved from there to. I want to make sure I get this correct. I think we moved from there to Alberta, which is McLennan High Prairie area. It was a mm-hmm. farm, which is near where my father grew up. And so we kind of lived around that area. And we moved from there to a smaller town. We keep moving from, like, small town to small town uh, to a place called Punichai. 
and we lived there for a few years. Hold on, there was a switch back and forth there. We lived in Dryden, then Nipple, and then back to Dryden, and then, I don't know, we've okay. been everywhere. <clears throat> okay. And so, and then we lived in a small town called Punishai. And it was a tiny village surrounded by four reservations. I got beat up for being white, which is not, that's, that's our thing. As white people, we beat people up for being the wrong skin color. So I, I really feel like they were stealing my culture. Are you sure it wasn't just because you have a really, really punchable face? <laughs> and a big mouth. And a big mouth. Probably the big mouth. I got, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just, just throwing it out there. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> And I'm fine with that. I'm all right. Uh, there, there were some years there that were just fun, and I still have a friend from there. Well, he's actually around Regina area, but I have no idea what he's up to. I don't know anything about him anymore, but for a long time, that was the place I saw myself kind of learn quite a bit. And then from there, we went to the big city of Prince Albert, which is a dirty, dirty town now. It's really bad. Mm-hmm. It's a little shithole. Again. A- again, Sask- or Saskatchewan, right? Again, Saskatchewan, yeah. yeah. And then from Prince Albert, we moved all the way to Quebec. And then we went there as missionaries. And, uh, yeah. So what was the driving force for moving from place to place to place so often? Okay, from my understanding... <clears throat> At least in Saskatchewan. In Saskatchewan, it was... Um, the early years, my dad was a youth pastor and a pastor. So he was like, when it came to Ontario, he was a youth leader, associate pastor kind of thing. And then same thing going back to Alberta from my remembering was to be involved with the church, to be close to family because his family was here. And from there, we, my father became a pastor in a small town in Saskatchewan. Again, pastor work, really tiny village of a very underserved community. There wasn't a whole lot going on there. And so we were just moving according to the pastoral leadings of my father. But Panachai apparently had a very dark thing about it. There was like... Very little hope. They, we were not going to be moving forward. Not a whole lot going on that was good. And so my, from my remembering was, this town, we need to get out of here. And so we moved to Prince Albert, which is not much better. But my mother grew up around there. Mm-hmm. And so we had family in that area. They had a good Christian school. And they recognized that me, my schooling, wasn't going well. Not just me, but my siblings as well. But schooling was not going well. So it was to get my family in a better situation. My dad had more opportunities for work uh, outside of him. Well, he still worked in, within the church, but not for the church. He wasn't like a minister anymore. Okay. So he kind of walked away from that job to go there. I don't know what happened to that place. <coughs> I haven't thought about it. <laughs> uh, Punishai, after Punishai, we just got there and... I have no idea what happened to the church. I don't remember any kind of transitioning period. I just remember getting out of Dodge. Yeah. And being in Prince Albert, my father continued to work. We were there for, I want to say, six or seven years. So okay. it wasn't how, how old were you at that time? Uh, like we moved. We got there when I was, uh, I want to say 11 or 12. Had to be 11 because I remember I was in, in 1992, I was in uh, Panachai because for some reason, 1992 like really jumped out to me. I'm like, oh, I can't believe it's 1992. That's a crazy year. <laughs> I don't know why. 
<laughs> Montreal won the cup, and I think Toronto Blue Jays won the World Series. I love sports because that's what we had. That's all we had. Okay, so at that time, you actually were invested in, in oh, yeah. watching, As watching a sports. Small child, like nine, ten years old, I was watching sports, and yeah. and so we were there until the year two thousand. So we were in Pon- or we were in Prince Albert till the year two thousand because I remember I went to. A, a New Year's party there when they flashed off the lights because hey, this is a funny thing to do. Let's of course every every, every youth group, <laughs> every youth group, every New Year's party that year did that whole thing. Yeah, they're like we need to go into the middle of nowhere and turn the lights off. <clears throat> so, I'd have been more impressed if they'd managed to make the toaster sentient and start attacking people. <laughs> I think they made a movie about that. Did you see that movie? I remember a Simpsons sketch of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what's really funny about that? The girl who does the voice for Lisa yeah. was actually in that movie. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, so <laughs> that's that's probably the cross connection <coughs> there. What was the name of that stupid movie? I'm not going to remember it. <laughs> but yeah, there was that movie where the toasters yeah. came alive and tried to attack people. <laughs> uh, so anyway, year 2000. Year 2000, and then a couple years later... We moved to, no, a year later, like within the year 2000, maybe the year after, we moved to uh, Quebec to be missionaries because my father felt called, like he went to Quebec. So I really felt like Saskatchewan's my home. My, that's, that's Prince Albert's my home. That's where my friends are. That was like 14, 15 years old. Okay, so like, yeah, those were, for, those were those formative years. Formative years. They were like, oh, this is what I'm about. And I started becoming more of who <coughs> I thought I was going to be. So I started becoming cooler. I started actually getting invited to parties. I started making friends. A girls started not ignoring me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so then my parents were like, no, we're, we're going to move. We're going to go on a mission trip to Quebec. So my parents came to Quebec or went to Quebec, did this mission trip, came back, said, we're moving to Quebec. I'm like, I don't want to move that shithole. I don't know why. Why would I want to move there? All my friends are here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's that's a kind of a shitty time to move. Yeah, it's like a, a, as a kid. As a kid, yeah. Like those <clears throat> are the golden years yeah. of, of friends and everything else. Like oh man, I couldn't imagine like that. Those were my heyday years as a kid. Yeah, was that you know that mid like between between about fourteen and getting my driver's license. Like that was like. It, that was just the glory years. Beer? Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. So. So, yeah, those were my formative years when I was, like, really coming into my own. And then getting told, hey, we're moving to Quebec. So I wasn't, I still wasn't getting ahead in schooling. Like, the whole idea here was get the kids ahead in schooling. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting thrown out of the public system into the private system, which is ACE, Accelerated Christian Education, and then back out of that into a public uh, sector of education in Quebec, mm-hmm. where now, by the end of it, you need to be able to speak and understand French fluently in order to graduate. Oof. So, so yeah, so basically you're getting thrown into French immersion. Um, that's the thing. It's not even a French immersion school. If yeah. it was French immersion, I maybe would have had a chance. But okay. it was half French, half English. So it was like going <coughs> to a regular English school in Quebec where the standard is you must learn French in order to, under- to graduate. Yeah. And so it was kind of cool. Made some really quick friends. Uh, very, I don't know, looking back, I'm like, oh, these are very liberal people. Like my, or their parents were artists. And these people went on to you know, be very 
fluffy commies <laughs> and they're great guys I, mm-hmm. I love some of them to death to this day but my friend circle had evolved very dramatically it went from uh, dirt bikes in the back 40 or whatever to oh we're gonna go hang out at the basketball court go play there or just you know go to the beach and just very different from what I was used to because mm-hmm. we didn't have that yeah well, no longer is redneck no, I was the redneck of my friends, and they—they, they, I probably got made fun of it, but I don't remember it. It was, like, playful enough that they were like, oh, no, you're cool, you're all right. And mm-hmm. I was able to have friends in that way and adapt, and it turned out all right. But I had this idea of my goal is to move back. My, my goal is to move to back to Quebec, or back to, um, back to Saskatchewan. Back so home. my mentality uh, at that time was just get back, survive a few years, turn 18, move back to Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. And in those few years, things change. You no longer feel like you have to. Your your friends that you thought were back in Saskatchewan, they've all moved on too. And so, yeah, I, I no longer had that desire, but I wanted to still be part of something, so I got involved with the friends there. I adopted their ideas. I uh, Music, music had a huge thing on me because the music scene in the Ottawa area was great because you Montreal's two and a half hours away they had a huge music scene I went to go (coughs) see Zayo there I went to go see Trivium Devil Driver and In Flames in a show as well didn't actually pan out but I got to go to some great shows so I got to have all these friends and just everything adapt never I got a little bit of jujitsu at this one place but not like Brazilian jujitsu um got into drama <laughs> into drama. You were a thespian. I was a thespian. Uh, no, I just <laughs> uh, got into a drama class. Did really good, and then you know, uh, little Christianese circles that do little sketches and for churches and for outreach programs. I got yeah, into yeah. those, and I got pretty good at them. I wrote a few. Uh, we performed them. Um, yeah, I just kind of got into those circles of performative arts, and I even ro- ran a drama program at a camp. Uh, that I was asked to, hey, do you want to come run this program? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm like Mm -hmm. 17, 18, got my own car, which is abnormal for them. Not everyone has a car out there. They're like, oh, no, I take a bus. Why would I? I don't need a car. (laughs) Somebody else has a car. Mm -hmm. We're in Quebec, or sorry, in Saskatchewan, Ontario, or uh, anywhere west of uh, Manitoba. It's like, no, the car is a rite of passage. You haven't grown up until you get a car. Like, yeah. You'd yeah, exactly. Because, you know, like probably half your friends live 45 minutes away mm-hmm. and there's no bus to get to them. Yeah. So if oh. you want to have any kind of agency, you need a car. Yeah. Where there wasn't that in, in Quebec. <clears throat> like I got a car because I still had that leftover idea of, no, you get a car. Yeah. You, you get your license as soon as you can and you get a car. My brother, not so much. He's like, no, let's take the bus. And then he does this really cool thing. He's like, oh, I'm going to ride my bike to Kingston because we lived in Ottawa. Like a bicycle? Bicycle. He was going to ride a bicycle to Kingston, Ontario, which is, I think, two and a half hours away. And I'm like, all right, cool. Have fun. Mm-hmm. He's young. He's good good enough shape, whatever. He did not get very far. And so he calls us that night. He's like, yeah, I made it to Kingston. I'm like, oh, snap. Good job, man. Did it one day. Cool. 
Mm-hmm. No, he didn't. He got he hitchhiked. He hitchhiked. <laughs> shithead! I, uh, I had cheated. no idea for years. For years, oh man, years. I had no idea. I'm like, I he was you gonna, did he it. was gonna own that, and take the clout, hey. Mm-hmm. But oh, I guess he's funny. like, oh, didn't I tell you? No, yeah, I totally. Yeah, I just got a ride. I got a pretty like I don't know, forty five minutes out of Ottawa, so forty minute drive out of Ottawa. He mm-hmm. was, he just got tired. Yeah, <laughs> he started hitchhiking. I'm like, oh, I don't, I, I don't know why, but I. F- in 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 hearing you know bits and pieces of your past over over time, I've I've heard various parts of these before, but never like in one continuous string of like yeah. <laughs> you know this is this is the ballad of of Little Mike. Uh, so I always thought of you living in Quebec longer. Mm-hmm. I, I always thought of you growing up there as a smaller kid. No, no, and that's that's the thing. A lot of, a lot of people get that perception because mm-hmm. for a long time it's where you're from. It's like, well, I lived in Quebec. Before, well, I lived Quebec before I lived here. Now, a lot of people they get offended if you ask them where they're from. Like, if they're any kind of skin color other than white, mm-hmm. and you ask them where they're from, it's like, oh, you don't think I'm Canadian? If I ask you that, I'm asking everybody that you know Fort Saint John. And yeah. it's very seldom that I get the answer, oh, I'm from Fort St. John. Oh, yeah. Like here, everybody comes here from other places to make money. Yeah. New Brunswick, New and then, Quebec. You know, sometimes they wind up transplanting. But I mean, you know, if you just walk down the street and ask people where they're from, it'd be very, very few to say born and raised here. Yeah. And it's really funny that I know a handful of people already. And I'm like, oh, I know enough people here that are from here. But I think they're few and far between. They're, they're if you were going predominantly on what it's actually the numbers you're you're not a huge group yeah so when you ask somebody where you're from here it's a normal question yeah it's not a offensive it's not <clears throat> like oh you typical white male <laughs> like no <laughs> so and being from quebec i feel confident in saying yeah where are you from because i know where yeah. i'm from i know where i came from i know what ideas i brought with me now i always thought when i moved here from quebec in 2006 so I lived there from 2001, I want to say 2001, it might have been 2000, to 2006. Um, I brought culture with me. I was like, this place has no culture. I come from a place with stone walls. <laughs> I don't know why, but stone <laughs> architecture just carries forth this idea of culture. It's like, we're older. <laughs> and it just makes you a pretentious douchebag. I'm not arguing with you. <laughs> On either end. <laughs> it does bring more culture, but it makes you a douchebag for pointing it out. <laughs> oh. That's funny. Did you feel that way about about Saskatchewan? Like where you came from before you oh, went to Quebec? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I, I think I waited like two years before going. <clears throat> we visited Saskatchewan halfway, mm-hmm. like once in a while. And so, but when we came from... Quebec back to Saskatchewan just for a friend's trip, mm-hmm. like just to go see some people. I brought a huge attitude. Like I just had this really shitty attitude, like, oh, this primitive people. Oh, okay. look, that so McDonald's you, so you did like have that barn. generally over the West. Oh, yeah. I had this whole mm. idea uh, over the West of just, I'm better. Like I, I, I've seen things now. I'm, I'm a little more cultured. I've hang out with people that speak a different language. And yeah, I just, looking back, I just, I'm ashamed of who I was. Because I was like, no, you're just, you're just an asshole. Mm. You just, you're not, you don't speak, I didn't speak a second language. Just because I hung out with people yeah. that spoke a different language oh, doesn't man, make me I, better. 
I never, I never, I never put together the symmetry before, (laughs) but you, you went to Quebec to bring Jesus there and came back out West to bring culture here. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, I came, I came West to, um, (laughs) get work. (laughs) But that's the thing. That's, that's just a side effect of being, living in culture. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) That's great. You might have culture, but you're you're broke. Uh, but here's the thing. When we did go to Quebec, mm-hmm. my dad's like, we're here as missionaries. I'm like, cool. All right. I'm in. Like, when I was in, I went to school. No Bible study at the school. Nothing biblical related. I'm going to start a Bible study. I started a Bible school study in a school that was, you know, for its school quite large. Mm-hmm. I think we had 700, 800 students in the school. And there was another school in town not too far away, and they had just as many, if not more, students. But... I started doing it. I'm like, okay, no, if we're doing this as a family, my dad was like, oh, my kids are doing more ministry than I am. Because <laughs> it just kind of turned into that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, if we're doing this, we're doing this. I knew my faith. I knew what I thought I believed at the time and un- thought I understood it as deep as I did could. And so I got to carry that with me. And so, yeah, I started it. I didn't just tag along. If I'm going to be here, I'm going to do it. And so, yeah, I kind of got whole hog. I was just in it. So, yeah, coming away from that after, like, I kind of got, I got my license, got a little more rebellious, quit school, got into drinking. Okay, so you went from full-on, full-on missionary mentality to going native, as they say. Yeah, um... Thing is, I didn't recognize it, I didn't recognize it happening while it was happening. Isn't that isn't that the way it is? You don't know you're going through it until you're halfway in, and you're like, "Oh shit, I'm I'm going through a transition here." Mm. Except you don't see yourself going through it. You're just living life. You're, you're everything's fine. Everything's good. You still have the same friends. You're still hanging out with the people from youth group. But now you drink. But now you're you're not going to church because you're busy working. I did sales. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing door-to-door sales for a little while, and I was pretty good at it. Oh, yeah, you can talk. Yeah, I got a gift of gab. Sometimes people wish I would just shut the fuck up. Unless you're listening to this podcast. And it, Which at, that, at that point, you've just accepted that this is your life now, listening to my talk. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if people go through phases like we do with Joe Rogan, where they're like, I need to take a break. I hope they do. I hope so. I, I, I hope they do. Yeah. It would be really weird to be thought of as like can't miss guru i can't miss it (laughs) yeah that'd be strange that would be (laughs) um so yeah i just kind of got into drinking and i just kind of lost my way but i recognized it almost really quickly because i got really good at sales and i was making good money but i was drinking so much and just not really having any kind of direction i actually looking back i didn't drink that much Mm -hmm. but i didn't have any direction like i had no reason i was just doing it because my dad said get a job or go to school and I was like, well, I'm going to go get a job then. And I got a good job and I got paid pretty good for it. And, uh, yeah, they, they wanted to be like, hey, we want to up our sales. So we got to inspire our people. What do you want in life? Make a list of five things and you will get it. Mm-hmm. And I looked at this list of things. I didn't want a car. I didn't, I had a car. It was fine. I didn't want big house. Cause I'm like, what, what? I, I just felt completely aimless. And so, uh. I went to the boss and I'm like, yeah, I got, I got to go, man. Like I, I can't do this. <laughs> uh, he's like, yeah, but your, your sale numbers are good. Like you're in a bit of a rut right now, but I believe in you. 
uh, take a week off, relax. So I went and did some construction with my dad for work, did a little landscaping. I don't remember what I was doing. But I was doing just manual labor. But I re... I got re-inspired. I'm like, oh, I love working with my hands. I don't mm-hmm. like just talking all the time or trying to sell people an idea that I don't know if I actually believe with what I was Unless selling. we're podcasting. Unless we're podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Which case I'll sell you Satanism. <clears throat> Have that conversation. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I got kind of reinvigorated with kind of yeah. I I know what I want to do. I want to work with my hands. I want to hang out with friends. I want to have family. But I was still drinking on the side, and it was fine. But I had it all under control. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I just got reinspired. Went in there covered in dirt. I'm like, hey, how's it going? And they're like, you're not coming back. I'm like, nah, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> and so yeah, it was that was the first time I'd quit a job that. Pretty good at. Yeah. So in this time, what's what's going on with your general practice of faith, your spirituality? Like how how was that forming? Because like this is what this this is the stage of life that sends you back off into the West, you know, as your own man. Well, I kind of got into this rut of being a good person for a little while like mm-hmm. I just I'm, I'm doing good I'm exploring my faith and all these things and I and then I started to recognize that I was starting to have a bit of a problem with with the drinking because any money I'd make I'd, I'd pay my rent pay my bills drink the rest and I didn't see it happening but other people were starting to see it in me and so I went to a party one time and like hey you want some orange juice because I bought a bottle, a bottle of orange juice I don't know why I just wanted orange juice. So I'm sitting there drinking orange juice. It's like, what's in there? I'm like, orange juice. <laughs> it's like, oh, just orange juice? I'm like, yeah, yeah, just orange juice. But there was this idea of what I was up to. Mm-hmm. And I saw, I'm like, oh, this is how people see me now. They just see me as a drunkard or they just see me as a drinker. And I'm like, okay, this is not who I want to be. And then I was watching people around me growing and moving and doing things. And I'm like, I don't want to be stagnant. I don't want to just sit here and just be known for this one thing. So in that moment, I quit drinking completely. And I, I was like, okay, that's it. And then I learned a little guitar. I was playing guitar. I'd go to parties and just hang out with people, and I was good. And then I had this movement in my life where my brother, he moved out. When he moved to Fort St. John, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, cool, you're dead. Like, I just <laughs> thought he was good. I thought Fort St. John is super cowboy. He's going to come out here, die. That's it. I'm like, very cool. I was fine with it. I shouldn't have been as fine with it as I was. Catch you on the other side, bro. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, all right, cool. Good luck. Yeah. And then he was making good money up here while simultaneously doing something. And I just was getting back into the worship. I was getting back into my prayer life and just reigniting what I was passionate about. Uh, back into drama and like teaching mm-hmm. people. And... uh now, you said something before we turned the mics on that was interesting. You said you felt like, you felt like a lot of your practice was per, your your faith was performative. Oh yeah. Well, where, where does that fit in here? Now, for a long time, in Christian circles, music has been a huge thing, especially worship music, where they would make sure that whatever you have going on, music had to be good. It had to be really sentimental. It had to feel something. It had to draw you in and pull you around. And so that was a big part of how I experienced worship. I would go to these conferences, youth retreats. Youth retreats were huge for me. So you go to these uh, 
weekends where you would go and or camp camp uh, weeks or whatever and in the beginning you're kind of you know you're slow getting into it and as the week progresses you become a little more open in your expression your 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 outward expression of, of worship and so it was something that was constantly happening every single event we went to was like i start off like just really hesitant and then by the end of the weekend i'm balls to the wall as they say on fire for god and it was this constant thing that would happen everywhere i went every single service i'd go to uh, services in quebec that were french and english but they just translated the song straight across and they were pretty good at it mm-hmm. but it was very driven by emotional like uh build on music so the worship part of it was just it was a huge part of it it was it was the part that drew me close and i could understand it i'm like yeah this is something you can feel and if you can mm-hmm. feel it, it must be real and okay so i had this very shallow understanding of what was real and so yeah it was it was just where i was all the time it was i was wherever the the feelings would lead me and it stopped or uh no it, it didn't stop until a few years ago so yeah all right where were we going with that all right so i i did have this one youth pastor long time ago when he said he he started pointing out that there was a certain level of emotional manipulation that was happening and he was like i could pray a really uh, or i could i could play a really heartfelt song and i could get you guys up here i could get you guys crying i know i can and he was very good at it Mm -hmm. very good piano player very good at just the whole lead to it played everything a little fast but he was very good at it and so him pointing that out, I'm like, oh, that's just showing how genuine he is. So I still didn't get the lesson. Mm. He just point, he just told me what he's doing to my face, but I didn't get the lesson of, I can manipulate you. Yeah, as in he was using his tools and rhetoric and the music at his hands to manufacturing you a feeling that would, you know, you would interpret as Holy Spirit presence, God is real. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so it would, and it would draw it closer, and it, so the ends justify the means. He was going to create this <clears> feeling <throat> to push you towards, towards God. It's all he's, he's facilitating, really, and it's mm-hmm. not about looking back. I'm like, yeah, probably me at the time needed it. I needed somebody around me that would, you know, push me in that direction. Because what's a better direction than God? What's a better direction than just like, hey, you know, the more you feel towards this thing, the better. And so, yeah, at the time, I'm like, yeah, it's a good thing. It's good. So, yeah, and I carried that for a long time, and it mm-hmm. was wherever the music was happening. Like, looking back, I'm like, oh, I felt, I felt foolish. I feel foolish looking back on my youth of yeah. allowing my emotions to dictate so much of how I made my decisions. So, <laughs> so that that seems like night and day between. <laughs> who I see in front of me now, as far as your day to day living out your faith, what, what changed? Like where, where did that, where did that script flip for you? Huh? I think a big part of it is the, um, the people that were lifted in all that. So I, I was part of, like I said, many services and there was people that were getting involved but it was always really shallow. You could tell, 
like, oh, this is great this weekend. But after this weekend, what are you doing? You're going to get high. You're going to get drunk. You're going to go do your thing. You're going to come back in two months, cry, and then you're going to do it all over again. And they were really, like, these are really, like, you could tell they felt it. It was very genuine, and they, it was real to them. But every few months, it would happen again. Mm-hmm. And then again. And then again. And it never happened to me like that, because I was, I was the, um, not the prodigal son. I was the good son. I was the one that stuck around. I didn't yeah. go through all the, like, and I, I started getting really callous of, these prodigal sons get a lot, hell of a lot of attention. It's really getting frustrating. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm like I am the I am the dedicated servant that sticks <clears throat> around when when you have a problem, you call me. Guess what? I show up. And maybe it became a little bittering cuz yeah, I I even today, I got a phone call, somebody needs a needs help, I'm there. How can I help? Well, I need a ride from this place to this place. Yes. It's it's it just happened to be convenient. If it would have pushed me back 15 20 minutes, I would have done it. It would have been fine. But, yeah, there was this idea of the emotions that led these people that I was seeing. I was seeing all of it because I kind of had this step back view of seeing them go through this stuff while simultaneously changing nothing. So the emotions stop mattering because emotion can't be your driving force because when emotion is your driving force, you're going to chase that. You're going to stop changing. You're going to stop evolving. (coughs) Sorry. And you're going to just allow the emotions to be your guide. That is your rudder. You're like, whatever leads me to what feels as right as can be. And I was like, no, I, I need to start taking a hold of my rudder. I need to let go of the emotional things. Okay, I don't care if something feels right. I need to start looking, is it right? Is it correct? Is it the most correct? And at that point, I'm going against my emotions. Mm. Because... If I just let my emotions guide me, I'm going to be really soft with my kids. I'm like, oh, God. I feel for them. It's like, no, that's a trap. I feel like a lot of the time it's a trap when you just let your kids let their emotions lead them. It's horrible. So, yeah, I I, I saw too much of it. Too much of people just being fake and, and saying one thing and doing another. And, and having the best of intentions, and then intentions not meaning shit. Friends saying they're friends, and then not showing up. Mm. Uh, yeah, and I just got tired. I'm like, no, if I'm, if I'm going to be the kind of dedicated friend that, that I want to be, I'm going to do that. I'm going to show up. And I realized, when I, was a, I was a really shitty friend for people. Like, really horrible. Like, I, would, I had these girls that they liked me, mm-hmm. and instead of saying... I don't like you. I'm like, I'm going to check how this one here pans out. And the thing, I was stupid enough to say it out loud. <laughs> I said it out loud. And then I realized I somehow, what a giant piece of shit I somehow am. Somehow that doesn't surprise me that that, that would slip out of your mouth. Oh. You, you have a habit of <laughs> you have a habit of saying the wrong thing at the wrong time to glorious results. It's yeah, awesome. I'm like, <laughs> so I had this, this really nice girl that I actually liked for a long time at the beginning of the time of the day and then all of a sudden she did and I was like I'm going to see how this girl here pans out and then she's like you're a real piece of shit and then I realized what a piece of shit I was mm. and I'm like I need to be single longer so I just stopped pursuing all oh, girls man, I wish more people would say that about themselves like, <laughs> I need to be single longer would solve so many world problems oh, yeah <laughs> yeah 
And so, yeah, I just took a hiatus off of pursuing the girl that I thought. The thing is, I thought I knew what I wanted in a wife. I'm like, I'm going to look for the most godly woman ever. Quiet, submissive, just boring. I don't know. She was really nice at the time. But looking back, I'm like, I would have blown my brains out. (laughs) It was, she was really nice, but I'm like, oh, that's, that's not what was there for me. And do I want a gamer chick? No, no, I want somebody with, you know, that'll push me because if I just get somebody as complacent and stupid as I am, that's not a good combination. <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your your marriage shouldn't make you dumber. Yeah, and I, I really, because I was really into video games. I was getting pretty good. and But if I just got along with some girl that was exactly like me, that's a dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. She'd be like, what, you can't push me because I'm you're no different than I am. And I'm like, oh, no, my wife actually pushes me. Even in doing this, she's like, okay, what, what is this going to bring? What is this conversation going to bring forth? And I'm like, ah, can't it just be a conversation? So. She's concerned about you, Michael. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I get As it. As both of our wives should be. Yeah, they should. They honestly should. Because <laughs> we're going to be don't, millionaires don't, one day. Don't leave us to our own devices. <laughs> It's not, not good for anybody. So, yeah, I just got, I got really calloused when it came to allowing my emotions to dictate what direction I was leading my life. Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting because like you yourself have stayed since you've, since you've been to Fort St. John, since as far as I've known you, you've been at one church. So that means your engagement with this one community must have changed somehow over time. Well, I don't know if you know this, but when you're trying to meet a lady, you got to go where the kind of lady you want to meet would be. And that was a big part of what I did when I first started going to Evangel. So I realized, okay, there's this girl I like. She goes to Evangel. I'm going to Evangel. And then it didn't pan out. She liked other people, didn't like me that way. She was really quiet and nice, and I had mohawk. So I realized, okay, maybe this one's not the one for me, mm-hmm. but it's a good church. It's fine. I did do a little church hopping in the early days to figure out where I would fit, and I didn't like Evangel at first because the person she's... Okay, this girl introduced me to a couple dudes, and you're supposed to meet some people that you can get, get along with, right? <laughs> yeah. She introduced me to the most introverted people I've ever met in my life. To this day, they're still the most introverted people I've ever met in my life. Because I haven't seen them in 10 years. Okay. I just don't see them. They're not around. They don't come to town. They don't do anything. They just live out in the country, and that's what they do. And so I thought I thought they were being douchebags by not talking to me. Because I can create conversation. These guys were not reciprocating. There was no... You got nothing. Tit for tat. I'm like, these guys are douchebags. No, they're introverts. And the fact that they're at this event was, it was outside of their comfort zone. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, and I kind of just stayed there. The church mm-hmm. had a need. They were like, we need young people to help out with the kids ministry that we have going on. And I'm like, I'm great with kids. Kids like me. I'm not a horrible person. I grew up in the church. I know biblical theory and like all these things. I'm like, what mm-hmm. you're looking for? Like, and they spent time with me. They genuinely hung out with me for two hours without knowing me from hole in the ground. And like, no, we want you to be part of this, what we're doing. And so they had me join up with youth, help out with Kid City, help out in the church. 
And I'm like, okay, they're giving me a reason. They're giving me a service of something that I can do, physically do. Not just create and like talk and go to worship services. It was like, give me something to do. And then I got involved with the worship team because at the time I was singing in a metal band. Well, who do you want in a metal? Like, who do you want on stage? Somebody who doesn't know anything about music or somebody who loves music? Because if you're in a metal band, you love music. So Or chaos. Or chaos. Either way. <laughs> so, yeah, I was into music. I was into that circle. And so they were like, oh, we'll get you on stage. So I sang back up a few times. And okay. So, so right, know right from either. the get-go, your involvement was based on a practicality. Mm-hmm. Okay. One, I could find a wife. Two, I could serve. I can do something. <clears throat> I can help with kids. I can get a paintball gun. And they were doing an army theme. Mm-hmm. And so I got a paintball gun in there and I actually shot it at a box. And I'm like, see, that's how powerful they are. Not pointing out that I accidentally shot the box. Like it was, <laughs> the safety was off. Yeah. So, yeah, accidents happened, but at the same time, no one got hurt, so we're good. And so, but it was based on service. What can I physically do? What am I good at? I'm working. With, I'm good at working with my hands. I said it. Remember when I said like I quit a job because I talked. That's all I did was talk and sign papers, and then. But I, I, I love working with my hands, so I can actually do something. And I got an opportunity to do that with the church. They gave me an opportunity to serve, to do something. Okay. So where is it then where this this disconnect is happening between people who are close to you and what your actual what your actual feeling and needs are? Well other people assume that as a good Christian you need to be going to Bible studies. You need to be going to worship service. You need to be going to prayer for the services. Like, this is just something that good Christians do. Mm-hmm. If you're a Christian, you're going to help others by going to these events. No, that's not, that's, that's not generally what people say. Like, you're going to those events to receive something. Well, I, I believe that. I yeah. believe that that's what's happening is you're there to receive something. Yeah. But for me, I just feel no draw anymore. I have no desire to go to prayer services. Worship nights... Where, yeah, I would have been, like, years ago, I would have been there. I would have been front row, hands raised. I would have been, yeah, though, this is what I'm about. You're doing worship prayer nights? Still not so much. Yeah. I'm I'm very shallow with my prayers. See, if I have a prayer, I I pray it, and then I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Why, Why do I need to reiterate? Why do I need to say the same thing a million times? Why do I, is God deaf? Does he not understand me when I speak? The desire of my heart is this. Here you go. Cool. <laughs> like I don't I don't need to elaborate on it. I can I can do it. It's fine. Why do I need to make it so pretty? Why do I need to dress it up? Why do I need to drag it out? He's not deaf and he's not dumb. Stop treating him like it's somebody that is. So I don't like prayer services. <laughs> and worship services just feel so clingy. Yeah. Like you just you gotta just push and push and push and push and I'm like, No, he is great, he is amazing God is who he is and he is all these things. I don't need to sit here and reiterate all the time he is. And I'm fine with it. And I can I can get in I can get the same feeling as that listening to a great worship album on a CD by myself. Why do I need to go to a group? Why do I need to go to that? And so there was this idea of why aren't you doing these things? And I'm like, I don't need to. 
What what am I doing? I'm just it's all about me there. I if it, if it, if it is about me, why do I need to go somewhere? And so I'm like, okay, I can do this on my own. Do I? Not as often as I should. I know that. <laughs> but I don't it's maybe maybe I don't feel like I need to. Or maybe I don't feel like I'm, you know, well represented, uh deserving, uh I don't need the focus. I don't need anyone seeing me do it. And if somebody feels like they need to see me doing it in order to recognize that it's being happening, I'm like, okay, you got problems. Mm. So. Yeah. So, so what charges your spiritual batteries? <sighs> As of late, nothing. Okay. Interesting. Like it, it's been, it's been pretty stagnant lately and lately and just very much trudging along. Uh, but also, yeah, challenging conversations and looking into why I believe something. And is my faith based in truth or is it just based in convenience? So it's, it's, it's been pretty, uh, rough, rough go about it lately. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. You haven't brought that up to me. No, I, I, I don't bring it up to anybody. Otherwise we got to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. It's one of those things that if you ignore it long enough, it eventually you'll die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I almost lost it there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's really God. simple. People take life so serious. <laughs> I've got great life insurance. I'm fine. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Oh, that totally broke my train of thought. <laughs> Concentration. <laughs> I, uh, I realize that maybe I def do I is that a defense mechanism that I have that I just like okay I can make this funny so I don't actually have to deal with the conversation and change <laughs> so let me just make it funny and it's easier than mm -hmm. actually changing hmm. yeah spiritual life is it's just so is that like a a really recently thing or is that some... It comes in waves. comes in waves, okay. It's, it's more recent than anything, but at yeah. the same time, it's not like I feel nothing. Yeah. There has, are... has that changed since we left the spiritual environment we were no. in no, no, a no, year no, no, ago? No. no, not at all. This is like, it comes ebbs and flows, man. Okay. Like I think, and I think it should come in ebbs and flows. You should never be on a high all the time. I think you should go through seasons where you're like, I'm feeling nothing. Mm -hmm. But I know there were times in the last year, multiple <coughs> times where I'm like, man, there's something happening in my life, in the people around me, in my children, that I'm like, no, this is real. And I know, I see the value in it. So it's not just a, oh, this is the way it's been for like five years. No, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But. Well, I'm just wondering if like the, the lack of presence and pressure <laughs> has changed things because that was a big part of the spiritual community we're in was like, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, like you best be on and on fire all the time. Are you a man of God or not? Yeah. <laughs> kind of, I, kind of force. And, that, and I, I'm wondering if the release of that pressure has almost been like a, oh, thank God, <laughs> you know, and then just, you know, almost like a rebellion against the pressure. Yeah. No, there, there was that feeling early in the beginning where it was like, okay, now I need to double down on everything that I was suppressing for years. Yeah. Then now I need to, I need to drink more. I need to swear more. I need to do drugs. And like, this is just, these are things that I just need to do now because I, I wanted to do them before, but because of the organization be, and then that's a horrible reason to do anything. Yeah. 
<laughs> like it was almost like a it's almost like a bit of like a second adolescence yeah you know of like as as a full-grown adult <laughs> having a second adolescence of rebelling against against the the constraints yeah and it was not because i felt it too very pointedly oh yeah you're like because oh. you i suppressed <clears throat> for so long what i was thinking what i was feeling and i couldn't say it because if i did say it it would look like disloyalty it would look like um disrespect disrespect or it would or look just, like you're backsliding yeah and it was like no this is none of those things or not rep- not representing <laughs> not oh. representing the icon of our group yeah and i was like oh, this is not what i'm going for here i'm mm-hmm. just trying to ask questions and now there is something that i did notice after leaving that group which is a rough around the edges kind of group yeah yeah i love jokes i love laughing i love making biblical jokes that are like oh that's borderline sacrilegious like, just on the border. Sacralarious. Sacralarious. I could make those jokes there. And they were like, okay, we hear what you're saying. Yes, it's funny, but we can get back on track. And it's fine. Where I need to post the Dear Jesus one on our Facebook page. <laughs> oh, not that kind of deer. Not that kind of deer. <laughs> So, I've tried going to Bible studies since then, mm-hmm. and they're just so damn nice. Oh, I know. Like I, I have and I'm like, pronouncedly I... felt that too, right? Like, you know, at the same time of like wanting to rebel against the constraints and the suppression and the force to be on all the time. There's also an element of the the gruff hyper masculineness and stuff like that that I miss. Like when, yeah, you know, the like gritty understanding in, of in the in the forays into into biblical you know, or into Christian culture that I've made since then. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't take this. This is oh, you guys are so banal, <laughs> you know. And like I know it's it's that saying it like that makes me sound like I'm looking down my nose hyper hard and I probably am but at the same time I'm like just like come on guys like lighten up or yeah, no, crack stop, a joke stop or taking just yourself so serious. <clears throat> ride a damn motorcycle or something like, yeah, do something do something and most of them are like oh my wife won't let me I hate that fucking yeah, excuse right <sighs> just yeah maybe, you know, maybe like, your wife won't let you but don't tell me that yeah, I've definitely been missing that masculine energy. Yeah. You know, and I know that's going to be like, well, that sounds pretty, pretty misogynist to say. Yeah. Christianity's bigger than that. Well, yes, Christianity is bigger than that, but no, that's not <laughs> massage. Not. <laughs> no, that's not misogynist to say I miss masculine energy. Yeah. Like, I do. not at all. I got to hang out with the guys this weekend a little bit on Saturday, and I was like, oh, I miss hanging out with these dudes. <laughs> and it was, it was just a good time. I'm like, oh, I, I've... I, I, I remembered the good times that I had to walk away from in order to maintain, you know, my Your conscience, my conscience. And I'm like, yes. I hate that I got pushed that way. Cause I, I love, I love those guys I know. so much. I, uh, I had a memory come across like not my Facebook page, but actually like my Google drives <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> alerted me to something. It was us singing a read your Bible, pray every day as a group with the singer from Petra. Oh really? Yeah. I was like, Oh frick. That was a good memory. Like, oh, that was such a fun day. We had uh, Tony Tony and, and Jughead out from oh, right. from uh, the province over, and That's we were right. blow, blowing up expired fire uh, extinguishers with with very illegal guns. And 
<laughs> then went to went to a concert. It was that's such a good day, such a good memory. I forgot about that weekend. It's like, that was I, a good I, weekend. Yeah, like oh my gosh, like why couldn't it stay about that level of brotherhood yeah. without including all the other stuff? It just like, it's such a missed opportunity. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I I know for me, like really personally, like my spiritual malaise over this last year is part of the symptom of living in that vacuum. Yeah. Like, you know, like you need to give, you know, need to give credit where credit is due. Like, even though it was too much and too overbearing, there was an element of it that did sustain a healthy, I want to say supple <laughs> spiritual life. Right. It kept, mm-hmm. it kept the, the heart soft. Yeah. Yeah. Until it became hard. Exactly. Until it became hard. And now we're in the season of trying to retill hardened land. And, and I really do feel like I, in a lot of ways I have a hard heart until I see like a commercial with a baby girl in it or my wife watches. Well, yeah, like you, it's like, it's not the whole heart that hardens, right? Yeah. Like for me specifically, it is the, the hardness of heart is very much about that. Very, very much about that church culture and the kind of like disillusionment of seeing how the meat's made, <laughs> you know, in, yeah. in that worship environment the, well, of hyper Christian. Yeah. Literally like, you see how the sausage is made. Yeah. You have now seen the inner workings and you're like, oh, of wow, the organization. This is a, yeah. You're like, this is a slaughterhouse and like people not in the know don't sense that, but like there's, they, there's somebody that's getting chewed up and spit out. Yeah. And, and you don't see it happening as yeah. it's happening. You only see it afterwards. And not to say that everything is like that, but at, one, at some point you're like, this feels too familiar, <laughs> you know, and then you shut off. Yeah. And I, so. I, I don't know. And so, so I was being <coughs> challenged today on what are you actually doing? Why don't you go to these events? Yeah. And I was at the, I don't need them. I know these people need them. They're fine. Well, like I... But that's the, here's the thing. Okay, uh, it does remind me. It did remind me, and it does to this moment of um, Mary and Martha, where yeah. Martha was the worker, right? I believe. Yeah, she was somebody who's like, no, we need to get all the food ready. We need to do this. We need to do that. We need to do all these things. Why the hell is Mary hanging out with Jesus? And so, and it was like, no, she's. Jesus was like, no, it's fine. It's good. She's where she's supposed to be right now. Me, I'm a Martha. <laughs> I'm a worker. You're missing the rebuke to Martha. I know. No, 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 no. Hold on. I'm not. I'm not missing it because I'm not smashing Maria for being there. Martha got rebuked because she smashed Mary. It was fine that she was doing those things, but expecting other people to do them is not right. I'm not expecting anyone to be like, oh, but you're not wiping tables down. No, that's my job. Okay. I'm fine with them being and being able to have those moments. I'm really happy for them. I'm glad they have a soft heart and they're able to do this. I can't. But what I can do is I can serve. I can wipe tables. I can set things up. I can organize people. Okay, I'll take that I'll take that correction. I'll take that one on the chin. That was, thing is that, a lot of that's, uh, that was a good take. That's a good take, man. And, I, and that's the thing. <clears throat> I need you need to recognize just because somebody's doing something different than you doesn't mean that it's wrong. And a lot of people they do that. They're like, oh, they're not doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And instead of instead of, and yeah, it's shallow because it's actually measurable. You'll be able to see what I've done. And yeah, you have an emotional connection. 
that I have had in the past. I've had that. I've had those connections. And do you know what? Right now, I need to wipe tables. I need to do something that I can measure. And maybe it feels, maybe I am dictating that going according to my feeling because I feel like I'm actually valuable. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah. We're glad you caught it. <laughs> I caught it. <laughs> I recognize things, (laughs) but at the same time, I'm like, right now, I don't need to be feeling all the time. I need to wipe table. I need to do something. Did you say that in that way? Yeah. Well, yes and no, but I'm not sure. It it came across very aggressive. Yeah. And so it may have. I think you should, I think you should re, I think you should revisit that conversation in light of some of this. Yeah. Like even talking about the fact that like nothing is recharging spiritual battery right now. Like, like that's not a phase I'm in. Yeah. Like that. Uh, I'm still coasting <laughs> on my last charge. And it's, it, yeah. And it, it has been good. That's the thing. It's not like I'm nothing at all in the last three months. I'm like, no, nothing right in this moment is doing it. Did I go up to the associate pastor and be like, Hey man, you said something the other Sunday that really encouraged me. So my pastor did this thing. My, one pastor does one thing and another guy says something else, which I really appreciate. One pastor will say, put yourself in receiving mode. It's where, imagine you're catching a basket. You, so you put your hands out as if you're going to receive that thing. Mm-hmm. He says, put yourself in receiving mode. That makes me not want to do it. <laughs> like, I don't like being told what to do. It's really bad. I recognize that. Well, simultaneously, I, I get it, but I don't like being told to do it. Yeah. And then another pastor went up and he's like, I want to break off. Uh, ritualistic thinking. The, you need to do this in order for this to happen. It was very much on the, um, you want this result and you think you need to do something to get it. It's a breaking of that chain, that idea of, if you want to do it, just do it. But don't, don't feel like you have to do it in order to receive anything from it. You don't have to put yourself in this physical positioning in order to get the blessing that comes with it. And so you have this thing of stop trying to earn it. And so I went up to the pastor. I'm like, dude, I really appreciate that. I've been thinking it for years, but when it comes from me, it comes across very aggressive. <laughs> but if it comes from him, he's a, he's a well-spoken guy, really nice, uh, polite, but at the same time, he's not going to speak out of turn. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated it coming from him. And he's like, you know, you can say stuff like that. I'm like, yes, but I'm encouraging you right now. <laughs> because it comes from <laughs> me, it just sounds like I'm being a rebellious douchebag, which I can do. I'm fine with that. Which you can do. But I mean, like, I think over the course of this conversation, you've proved exactly the opposite of you can speak very clearly about things that you think of in a, in, you know, a very calm way. Yeah. I'm capable. Yes. It's not as fun sometimes. (laughs) I know. Sometimes it's fun to be a troll. Oh my gosh. Oh, the trollery you've gotten yourself into. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so, uh, and I realized at the beginning of this conversation, it does sound like I'm, you know, riffing on people that need that emotional connection where I'm like, no, I I recognize. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad that we had this conversation because that's very much the sense I got from you before we turned the microphone on. Yeah. And that's all gone away. Yeah. Because that's the thing. You need facilitators. You need people willing to do the work to set these things up. If you have nothing but feeling people all the time, they all like, oh, yeah, I really want to help with this section, but I really feel drawn to be in the worship service right mm-hmm. now. It's like, no, I need somebody to make coffee right now. <laughs> and, and it's like, no, this is going to keep this thing going. And I'm like, no, we need people like that. We need both. We need everybody. I'm a very inclusive person. Fuck. <laughs> 
But you need to recognize, not you, but people need to recognize we need facilitators. Stop looking, oh yeah, you're they're a Martha for sure. Stop yeah. it. Leave her alone. <sighs> you're worse. You're worse. You you're you're spitting on the people that are trying to serve you and trying to make something happen because you're just so busy feeling so goddamn much. I don't like the Marys that <laughs> Now that being said, I'll I'll push I'll push back from somebody who has had a position of being a spiritual mentor before. Yeah. Sometimes people are actively trying to avoid their moment with Jesus. Yes, yeah, true. And looking for any excuse <laughs> to yes. Yes. to busy themselves to avoid to and avoid to, confronting the logos while simultaneously appearing as if they're doing something. Exactly. No, so that's there bad. there there is a there is a time when that needs to be checked on. Yeah. <laughs> I won't say I won't say confronted because how how do you know exactly what's going on in somebody's heart? But there yep. is a point where I think there's probably a healthy check that needs to be like, hey, where are you at with this? Yeah. Yeah. And th- there needs to be that. You need to have that that somebody who's gonna come to you and be like, Hey man, <coughs> are you actually good or are you avoiding something? Mm-hmm. And it's it's he- surrounding yourself with people that actually know you and and can speak into your life. And if you don't have somebody like that, get people like that. Yeah. Find somebody in your life that'll call you out on your bullshit, who sees what's going on when you're isolating yourself and you're like, dude, you need to come hang out. You need to get out of your house. You need to, I, I realize you've had a long week, but you need to get the hell out. You need to just come hang out, chat, pray, whatever, yeah. whatever you think oh, you had, need to had do. Oh, had a big time, you know, element of that here this week where got a call from a buddy in Grand Prairie. It's like, okay, dude time to get your ass over here you know like <laughs> we're going to tie into some tequila and enjoy company and not being isolated in the dead of winter yeah <laughs> just this is happening yeah whether you like it or not but you need to drive here yeah you need to do all the work <laughs> you need to do all the work you know but i appreciate it this is like okay yeah we're getting out of the house family trip let's go <laughs> yeah and so you need those people in your life if you don't uh-huh. have them i feel bad for you get involved with the group yeah Get involved with somebody. Do something. Stop sitting on your ass waiting for people to come to you. The greatest things in their life we pursue. Yeah. You want a great spiritual life? Pursue it. You want a great wife? Pursue her. You want good kids? Pursue them. Nothing that pursues you is ever going to be worth it. Huh. God pursued us first. I know. We can just do that. <laughs> just, that that's a wash. I know. It's fine, but we could never pursue him without him pursuing us. So that's where I'm like, yeah. that's fine. Well, I just like, <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to push back on that a little bit be, because there needs, and there's some things in life that need a mutual attraction. Oh, well, heck, look at our friendship. I think that's a perfect example. Our friendship is a perfect example of mutual attraction of, I, I enjoy the conversations I get to have with you the way we break things down, the way we confront each other in, in situations. Well, simultaneously, I'm getting that from you. You're getting it from me. Oh yeah. hundred percent. It's not, it's not a one way street. If it's a one way street, if I was, I know people that have tried that where they're trying to make it happen, but I'm like, dude, you're just, and it just doesn't work. You're like, it doesn't work. (laughs) So you're like, I'm sorry, dude, at some point I'm stopping calling. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I do I do believe in also mutual attraction, but at the same time, 
if I didn't believe our friendship was worth having? Do you think I'd be calling? Do you think I'd be like, hey, we gotta we gotta record? No, the yeah. recording's a bonus. <laughs> so yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah. The, the thing is, there's so much to my story that I don't think we can, you know, break it all down. That's just part of it because there's just so much. Yeah, no, no. I just, I just, I thought there was, uh, I thought there was something to to explore there about like just kind of like what makes what makes you this thing that is ticking in your life right now. Like, you know, yeah. Like just try to try and get a a scope of where you're at because mm-hmm. I feel like that's been a lot directed this way as of late yeah (laughs) and i wanted to turn the tables (laughs) really honestly uh as of late it just feels like i have to do something like physically do something pursue work put my hand to the plow there's a reason that the the bible uses these these analogies of putting your hand to the plow it means you're doing something measurable and I, i do believe we need to do things that are measurable sometimes you can actually see what's coming from it you may not see directly. You might see a plowed field and be like, how did that field get plowed? Oh, it just got plowed. No. something. Somebody had to go do it. Mm-hmm. And so you, when you see events going on, I'm at the season of I need to be doing something measurable. And you know what? Like, I would like to say in regards to that, doing your job well qualifies. <laughs> like, or like building something in your backyard qualifies tilling your garden qualifies as not only just doing something, there's something spiritual about it. There's something, there is something of actual consequence for your soul to spend your life working and doing measurable things that you can sit back, look at with a certain amount of satisfaction for a job well done and effort spent on it. Yeah. Self poured into it. Be like, that's a good thing in and of its own Yeah, and walk away from it, you know, and not have to over spiritualize or over, you know, yeah. metaphysicalize it. <clears throat> yeah. Building the, building the shed in your backyard is, it's a good thing to do. Yeah. But you don't think about the shed all the time. You're not going to be sitting there as like, I built a shed 20 years ago and look, it's no. not even like, it's still technically standing. That's, yeah, that's no like, good. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's that's actually one of the rules. If you if you want to be a Benedictine monk, like one of the rules you do is work. Like part of your spiritual formation is hmm. going and going and tilling the field. I didn't know that. It's you know like it's uh, going and washing the the bathroom, <laughs> going to make your bed hmm. is actually considered salvific spiritual work. Yeah. It's not all of it, but it is a well, part it can't, of it. It can't, it can't it's, be. It's, it's a part of a healthy spiritual life is the ability to work with your hands yep. and find satisfaction with it for its own sake. Yeah. And I think that's a really neat thing that we don't think of in a hyper-spiritual setting all the time. No, because people are... <laughs> you can't measure spiritual growth. Yeah. You Like, you, you could with, with really good, you know, uh, learning all the right answers, but you can't actually test it. Mm-hmm. Be like, because oh well, the answers they gave us all the right answers. Yeah. Oh man, I like that. Sorry, just this idea crossed my mind of the spirituality of Martha. <laughs> yeah, you know, now, if, if she would have if she would have had a better heart about it, that was her problem. That, that definitely was her problem. But the the spirituality of the person that is 
that is putting work in into the overall thing you know just yeah. the, the the physical sweat equity <laughs> you yeah. know into life is a real thing yeah like i mean like but some of the disciples had to pick up baskets and go pick up junk off the floor <laughs> yeah. like you know after the feeding everybody that jesus did but when you do it with the right heart it never gets rebuked right yeah so there was a probably hundreds of times that it was done right but the one time that it got rebuked is the one that everyone focuses on yeah. and they're like oh martha did this wrong instead of saying no people had to be doing it all along yeah there had to be facilitators there had to be somebody putting in the actual physical grunt work to make all these the time. things happen it's consistently behind the scenes oh yeah but the heart in that moment needed to be addressed and i and i agree with it i agree with it you need to address the heart if your heart is if you're not doing the work you're not doing the like you're you're not growing you're not you're not contributing no watch your heart when you're doing it what is your heart in these events yeah so oh, it, it's that's where, great that's a, that is such a neat thing you feel like we got something out of that i feel like we got something out of that for somebody out there needed to hear that it's okay to be martha if you're not being bitter that somebody else isn't helping you yeah and I've, and that's the thing that's I've, fantastic that's fantastic you're happy with that i'm happy with that <laughs> let's call that a day all right i really got a piss <laughs> <laughs> And we're going to record one of Devin's after this, and it's going to be great. So, um, I, dude, God bless. Yeah, God bless, guys. Don't Night. be a dick. Music has been brought to us by Kirk the Riffer Wells at Liquid State Audio. He is a guitarist, producer, and mixing engineer. Thank you from the Blue Collar Philosophers.